The older I get, the more I realize there are just some things I don't know. Balancing a budget, for example. I'm not a financial whiz. Sure, I know batting averages, passing and rushing yards, three-point shooting percentage. But intentionally putting away money for retirement? That's where my friends at NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast come in. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the financial world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning my tax bills so I don't dread April every single year. Actually, I was one of the first in line this time around. Saving on travel so that I can take my girls on trips. Because spending less on airfare means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. So enjoy the things you love, the Ole Miss Rebels, your family, your friends, knowing that your financial situation is taken care of with advice that you followed from NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app today. Trust me, future you will thank you. The legends are true. But overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Donald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. Is up, is up, is up. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. And the guest co-host chair is Colin Brister at Colin Brister. And today's guest on Talk of Champions, he comes to us on the Modern Woodman phone line. It's former Ole Miss pitcher, now World Series champion with the Washington Nationals. Those awful, miserable Washington Nationals. Sorry, I'm a Braves fan. Aaron Barrett, coming up in about 10, 15, 20 minutes. I don't know, because I don't know where Colin and I are going to start. But the first thing I say is, hey, buddy, what's up? I tell you what, look, it, I, I'm sure you didn't want it to be the Nationals, but at least the Astros got beat, right? Nobody can root for them nowadays, right? They're the villain in baseball, which is kind of sad, to be honest. They've admitted to cheating. Look, I don't have a problem with stealing signs. It's when you steal signs and then claim that you didn't and then put yourself on a moral high ground that you have no right to put yourself on. I mean, I have a problem when you're using the cameras like they did. Well, yeah. I mean, the dude standing on second base peeking in to get the signal? No, I don't care about that. Right. We've but, been doing yeah. that since Little League. It's the cameras. Yeah. It's the uh, links you go to cheat. I mean, real quick, this that's going to get bad, right? Like, they're, yes. they're going to hammer them. Yes. My like, question is, does anyone for the Astros get the copy treatment? He's been banned from baseball for life. For life! Pete Rose and John Coppaniella. Banned <laughs> for life. Where is the justice in that? And all he did was give people more money, right? Yes, well, he would bunch together a really bad prospect with a really good prospect and circumvent the international signing ability of professional baseball teams to go get good talent in other countries. And that's a no-no. You give a bunch of money to Ben Garrett, terrible prospect, so Ronald Acuna can get more money. They have the same handler if you will putting it in american au terms they have the same handler and that handler distributes the money to the prospect in which the organization wants the money to go to speaking of which almost plays at memphis this weekend oh god what a transition jeez (laughs) james wiseman will not be available but almost will travel after facing off with seattle tonight will travel to take on memphis this weekend i'm not all that impressed with memphis so far no and they've had wiseman in every game so far i believe yeah, but not anymore. I'll never understand it. He should have fought the whole time. You're going to only be in college for a year. Who cares? Yeah. Fight him. Fight him for a year. Delay, 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 and then go to the draft. Yo, what are they going to do? Take your sweet 16 away a year and a half from now? Ah, I just don't <laughs> get it. Did you know DJ Jeffries totally in the second most minutes right now for Penny or the third most? One of the two are true. He hadn't started a game, but coming off the bench, second or third most minutes on the team so far for Memphis. Surprise you? Yeah, a little bit, because I, I thought he would be a little bit more of a project than what he's projecting to be. 
Um, but boy, uh, I mean, he, he's a, he's a hell of a player. Ole Miss sure thought they had him, didn't they? Yeah. His father was going to ensure that he didn't end up at Ole Miss. Just didn't like Ole Miss. But Ole Miss got Matthew Morrell. Jamin Brakefield signed with Duke. No scholarships to give currently for next year's roster. But the approach will be the graduate transfer market and really whatever veteran opportunities present themselves. A Kerry Blackshear presented itself to Florida. Not to say Ole Miss is going to get the next Kerry Blackshear. But there are going to be opportunities for Ole Miss to peruse the veteran market, and that's how they'll add to their team. And I think if you're Carlos Curry, if you're Franco Miller, you better go out there and show that you can play. Otherwise, Ole Miss is going to have options to replace you. And I feel like maybe this is a little premature. They're getting to that point right now because Carlos Curry played a grand total of one minute the other night. Like he better, They better start performing in practice relatively quickly, too. Otherwise, you're not going to get opportunities on the floor. But Carlos has done well in practice, but he hasn't taken it to games. He was bad in the exhibition. He was bad in the season opener, and he wasn't very good in the second game of the year either. So that would make sense as to why he only got a minute in the third game of the year against Western Michigan. But Sammy Hunter can play the five. He played really well the other night. So did Hadim C. There's still going to be a little bit of a learning curve for both. I've been a little bit surprised, though, about Hadim C. not stepping in and being a dominant force immediately. But I got to remember, he played and started for Virginia Tech. Yep. He has been at this level, but he did drop down to Juco. And when he dropped down to Juco, probably learned some bad habits. It's a different caliber of player he's going up against every night. Mm Mm-hmm. He didn't have to be physical around the rim. The finesse game would work for him to get his numbers. But now you're in the SEC. Now you're back at the biggest level. Now you're going against the best of the best. Now you got to rediscover that physicality. And I think he figured it out a little bit against Western Michigan. But I'm eager to watch him, not necessarily against Seattle, because I don't believe that'll be a good test for Hadim C., but definitely against Memphis. Like you said, he's probably not had the start he's, he's wanted to. And, and like you also mentioned, he's But I'm not worried some... about him at all. I no, think he's no, going to no. be a completely different player come SEC play. Yeah, I'm not worried about him at all. I will, I will, I'll ask you this. Who's the most impressive newcomer to you so far? The most impressive newcomer? Does Luis Rodriguez count? Uh, sure. I'd probably go Luis. I really liked what I saw from him out of Western Michigan. But Austin Crowley has been really good That's, in his limited minutes. Sammy Hunter looked great against Western Michigan, but it's a way too small a sample. K.J. Buffin finally got into foul trouble, so you had to see Sammy Hunter and Hadim C. paired together at the five for a length of time to where they could compensate for not having inarguably the best player who has been the best player on the floor for the first three games, and that's K.J. Buffin. Yes, absolutely. Probably didn't break Kermit's heart either that he got into a little foul trouble and he had to play those guys together because yeah. they're going to have to play together in SEC play. Yeah. Blake Henson yeah. supposedly coming back against Memphis. I would venture to guess he gets 10 to 18 minutes on Saturday, assuming there's no setback this week. So he starts practice today? I don't know, but it's this week he's starting practices. Okay. The target date was always Memphis, but there was hope that maybe he'd be back a little early for Seattle. But really, did you need Blake Henson for Seattle? No. No. Make sure he's right. He spent a full Saturday, not last Saturday, but the Saturday before last, getting blood tests to make sure everything was okay, and he's still on track to play. But how much he practices this week, the minutes he'll play on Saturday, all intriguing. We just spent 10 minutes talking about Ole Miss basketball instead of Ole Miss LSU. If I'd have told you that four years ago, you'd been in shock. There's no doubt anymore who Ole Miss's quarterback is. Against Alabama, against LSU, Ole Miss put up points. The defense let him down. The defense could not slow down Joe Burrow, and there were times where they had opportunities to get sacks, to get tackles for loss, couldn't get it done. That's disappointing. But John Rice Plumley stepped up four touchdown runs. He's still a developing passer, and that's what brings me to the first topic, really, that I wanted to discuss here on Talk of Champions. But first, before we really get going, let me tell you about my bookie and impact by Ironwood. Are you the type of fan that knows football so well that you could choose any game and call it? Well, MyBookie is the place for you because they let you turn all your sports knowledge into cash in your wallet. Between football season, the NBA, and the start of college basketball season, it's time to get off the sideline and get in on the action with MyBookie. If you're the kind of person who likes to bet a little to win a lot, try a parlay. For instance, if you like a couple of the big favorites this week, parlays are perfect because they let you bet multiple games together for a much bigger payout. 
So if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and go to mybookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win. And if you join right now, mybookie will match your deposit halfway, all the way up to $1,000. That means if you deposit $2,000 right now, you get an extra $1,000 in free money to play with. Just use the promo code TOC, TOC for Talk of Champions, to activate the offer. Once again, that's promo code TOC to take advantage of MyBookie's generous sign-up offer. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Business owners, did you know you can support Ole Miss Athletics every time you accept a debit or credit card payment? That's right. Impact by Ironwood offers the best debit and credit card payments processing tools around, and they'll donate a portion of their profits to the Ole Miss Athletics Foundation in your name. The best part, you don't have to spend an extra dime to get exclusive member benefits, earn donor priority points, and support your Ole Miss Rebels. To learn more, call 1-833-GO-TEAMS. That's 1-833-GO-TEAMS. Or go to www.impactolemiss.com. That's impactolemiss.com. Make a difference. Make an impact. Ole Miss racked up points, racked up yards against LSU. Some of it in garbage time, but at one point it was 34-15. to 15. The game was not out of reach for Ole Miss yet. And I feel like they don't trust John Rice Plumley to pass it in any real way outside of rollouts and simple throws. How many times on third and 10 have you seen them call short routes to where he's completing a five-yard pass, gets tackled short of the line of gain, and they're punting? They just don't trust the kid to pass. Now, they did pass early in the game, and some of those passes look bad. The very first play of the game was a 30-yard completion to Elijah Moore. The second one, Elijah Moore's open again, and my gosh, was it a duck. John Rice Plumley is a developing passer. That's putting it nicely. At this point in my sourcing, just like it was last week, Matt Luke is coming back. Rich Rod is coming back. The only way Rich Rodriguez is not the offensive coordinator next year is if he pulls a Phil Longo. And I don't mean going and getting another offensive coordinator job. I mean leaving and Ole Miss not firing him. Ole Miss is not going to fire Rich Rodriguez. But I don't think Ole Miss would fight all that hard if Rich Rod went and found a head coaching job somewhere. He's going to be back. So is Matt Luke. He's also the quarterback's coach. So if John Rice Plumley, as you've made clear, is the future, that's who you're going with moving forward. Go hire a quarterback's coach. Put him on a two-year contract. A lot of assistants are only on one-year contracts, year to year. Go find a quarterback's coach. Hell, go get David Morris, who's on the AD selection committee. He runs quarterback camps to teach these dudes how to pass. I'm not saying John Rice Plumley needs to be taught how to throw, but he could certainly use some refinement, and I don't think Rich Rodriguez is the guy as the quarterback's coach to provide that for him. So if you're Matt Luke, you're going to be the head coach next year. Rich Rod is probably, I would say, 80% going to be your offensive coordinator. Maybe the best line of action, the best move to make, would be to go get a quarterback's coach. Somebody that could come in and work exclusively with John Rice on passing, reading defenses, timing, all the things that you have to have in order to be a competent SEC quarterback. I have still not seen him make a next-level throw. And what I mean is a deep out. That's how you can always tell if a guy's got it. So maybe that's the answer. Maybe that's just putting a Band-Aid on a bullet wound because Matt Luke and company will be entering the put-up-or-shut-up year next year, even if they get to a bowl through the APR route. Maybe a quarterback's coach is the way to go. I mean, we're both in agreement here that that the offense that they're currently running from a vertical passing game standpoint is not going to win football games in this league. They're going to have to do something different from a vertical passing game standpoint. Um, the question therein becomes, can John Rice Plumley do that? And I'm with you. I think, with, you know, through development and, and time that he certainly can. Um, and so you have to you have to figure out what the best course of action to be able to get the kid to, to, to be able to cl- complete those passes on a consistent basis is. And yeah, it doesn't doesn't seem like a quarterback coach would be a bad option at all. Um, you've never really seen a quarterback progress as a passer under Rich Rodriguez. I'm, I'm trying to think like Pat White. He was what he was. Denard Robinson was a really good athlete that made plays. Khalil Tate. I don't know if he got that much better as a passer under Rich Rodriguez. So yeah, I mean the the sample size as far as quarterbacks becoming better and better over over his tenure certainly isn't there right now. So. You wouldn't have a hard time convincing me to go hire a guy that, that can make him into a much better passer at this level. Because let's not pretend like you can't find some dead weight on this coaching staff to cut to make that <laughs> higher. Pick the worst recruiter out there, do some restructuring, get your quarterback's coach. Because what you've done 
is you've made John Rice Plumley the future of Ole Miss football. It's okay that you've made that choice, but now you have to go all in. If you lose the Egg Bowl, and I don't think that's going to happen, but if you lose the Egg Bowl, you will be 3-15 and in your last 18 games against the SEC West. Two of those wins coming against Arkansas. Both times, Arkansas either lost their starting quarterback or didn't utilize the quarterback that was better than the quarterback they started. And the other one was the Egg Bowl. And what happened in the Egg Bowl? Yep. Nick Fitzgerald got hurt. You still, in three years, have not beaten one team you're not supposed to. 80 teams currently are going to a bowl this year. Ole Miss, as it stands at 4-7, and seven, is not one of them unless it goes the APR path. If this were the NCAA tournament discussion with Andy Kennedy, where <laughs> would every single one of you be? Where were you on that end? If you're a hardcore Matt Luke defender, and it's not personal, I've said that countless times, I like Matt Luke a lot, personally, but you are what your numbers say you are. And if 80 teams are going bowling, and you are currently outside of an APR advantage, not one of them, that's on you. Yeah, that's a really good point about Andy Kennedy. Uh, I mean, this isn't even, we're not even discussing the NIT, we're, we're discussing the CBI at this point when yes. we're talking about qualifying for, uh, for an APR bowl. Would you go to that game? Would you go to the Jim Bob taco truck bowl there are people out there that would go no matter what and i commend you that's great but it's also okay to be critical of the program you root and commit financially to and matt luke still has not proven that long term he can be the answer it's one thing to be quote close it's another thing to in your last five winnable games the egg bowl will be the sixth in your last five winnable games you have gone over five Ben, uh, since Matt Luke was named the head football coach at Ole Miss, the permanent head football coach, he has four power five wins. Three of the four wins, they have fired the coach, Arkansas and Texas Tech, and I think Derek Mason's about to get fired. So I kind of think that says a lot about your, where your program's at right now. Matt Luke is going to be the head coach next year. Rich yep. Rodriguez is most likely going to be the offensive coordinator again, though I do believe from everyone I've talked to, he does have one foot out the door. He's probably going to be your offensive coordinator next year. And you've totally committed to John Rice Plumley. So if you've done that, go get the best passing specialist you can possibly find. I'm not saying hire within the Ole Miss family. David Morse was just a name that popped in my brain as I started talking. Go get the best guy possible to be his quarterback's coach. He's playing baseball in the spring. He's not going to go through spring practices, but he can go to the Manning Passing Academy He can spend the summer and the time he's away from baseball completely committed to one thing, throwing the ball. Because everyone in college football is on board with this. He's generated excitement that Matt Corral couldn't. It's unfortunate what happened to Matt Corral, but Matt Corral is going to transfer most likely. I hope he succeeds wherever he goes, probably somewhere back out west. But John Rice Plumley took this opportunity, and he's created an identity for Ole Miss football, a brand for Ole Miss football. You've got fans from opposing teams tuning in and saying, gosh, I do not look forward to facing this guy for the next two, three years. That's good. But at least you picked who your quarterback is. It's John Rice. And if John Rice is your quarterback, do everything you can to put him in the best situation to succeed. Whether or not you get beyond next year depends on John Rice. What's scary is if this Plumley thing, if, if they can create a vertical passing game, I'm not really sure how you stop them because they've got an elite running back in Ely. I mean, Plumley is obviously dynamic with the football in his hand. Um, so you're a you're a vertical passing game away from being a really really good offense. Your offensive line can improve just a little bit. The question is, which wide receivers are leaving? I've heard a lot of rumors. I'm not going to put them all out there, but some big names are unhappy. You yep. got to have Jonathan Mingo and Dennis Jackson and Elijah Moore as the core of your wide receiver group with an improving John Rice Plumley as a passer. And you have to be able to convince them that they'll be able to get the ball on a more consistent basis. And I think they showed against LSU, they weren't just taking chances. They know they have to get those guys involved. It can't just be the John Rice Plumley show. You're not going to win that way. But let me take one little small victory lap before we go to Aaron Barrett here. And we also have to talk about the athletics director stuff coming out of Aaron Barrett. But let me just say real quickly, as a victory lap, all of you who came at me hot as hell, mad, slinging heat on Ole Miss message boards, 
on Twitter because two months ago, I dared to say two things out of four, that Matt Corral was not going to finish the year as almost his starting quarterback, that John Rice Plumlee was handpicked, and y'all told me I was an idiot, and it happened. And then the second thing, that Jerry Ely, even though Scotty Phillips is awesome, is a better fit for this offense than Scotty Phillips. And Scotty Phillips has been out with injury, and Jerry Ely has been more effective. He was always a better fit for what they're trying to do. That is not an indictment on Scotty Phillips. Both of those things are true. They were true back then. I wasn't just pulling it out of my butt. I had sourcing on both of those things, and I was vilified. I don't even think you said that in, in, in a negative light towards Matt Corral. It no. Was just that uh, they picked John Rice Plumley in recruiting to be their quarterback, and at some point, by God, he's going to be the quarterback. It was never about Matt Corral. In recruiting, Rich Rod in the pitch meeting to John Rice Plumley said, we don't have my quarterback on campus. If Rich Rod is back next year, Matt Corral is not. I don't even think that if you're Matt Luke, like I don't think Corral stays regardless because if you're Matt Luke, you're all in on this offense with or without Rich Rod, right? You're all in on JRP. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So I don't think he's back under any scenario. You've made him your brand, and that's okay. Give him everything he needs. It's got to work. Yeah. That voice you hear is Colin Brister. At Colin Brister on Twitter, this is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. We're also available in SoundCloud. Just simply search Talk of Champions. It should be wherever you get your podcasts. But if we're not in a particular spot, let me know at Spirit Ben, and I'll make sure to get it on there. Going now to Aaron Barrett, former Ole Miss Rebel, now World Series champion. What a journey for Aaron. Makes his major league debut, gets hurt, out four years, Gets back to the major leagues this year, and now he's a World Series champion. Now, he did it for the Nationals, so that hurts for me, the lifelong tortured Braves fan that I am. But what a great story. If you're an Ole Miss fan, you can't help but root for Aaron Barrett. We all remember his playing career. I covered it, and he joins us now on the Modern Woodman phone line. You've walked this path many times before. It's a chance to think, especially about your future. How will you turn your retirement dreams into reality? Will you have enough gold for your golden years? Your choices for building funds for retirement can be complicated. Fortunately, you have a friend in the community who can help you make the right decisions. That's your Modern Woodman agent. Your agent is a skilled professional who will listen to your needs and desires and then work with you to create a plan that uses the right financial products to achieve your retirement goals. Build a lasting professional relationship with a trusted financial advisor. Hi, this is Thomas Chandler, your local Modern Woodman representative. Give me a call today at 662-296-0186. Let's make a difference together. Hotty toddy and go Rebs. Get in touch with your agent today. Modern Woodman of America. Touching lives, securing futures. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. On with me now, joining us on the Modern Women phone line is Aaron Barrett, former Ole Miss pitcher, now World Series champion. Has that gotten old yet, Aaron? World Series champion. It's uh, got a good ring to it, doesn't it? Yeah, of course. You played for the Nationals, pitched for the Nationals that won the World Series. I've been a Braves fan my entire life. It's a little weird for me, Aaron. A little strange. <laughs> Yeah, it's also a little weird for me. I live in Atlanta in the off season, so uh, I've definitely gotten familiar uh, with with Braves country. So um, a little weird for sure. What was the parade like? The parade was uh, hands down probably probably one of the coolest uh, experiences that I've ever um, gotten to do. I mean, I had uh, one of our hitting coaches uh, won the World Series with the Yankees, and he kind of gave us a warning that. The parade would, would hands down, if, if uh, winning the World Series hadn't hit you by then, the parade would, would definitely uh, would definitely hit you. And just having the amount of support um, from the fans and just feeling kind of that love, and it was just so cool. Just uh, seeing over a million fans, um, you know, getting full beer cans chucked at you, it, it, was, it was definitely one of the coolest things I've ever been a part of. Did you do the Stone Cold Steve Austin slamming two beers together and shotgunner? I didn't do the Stone Cold, but I definitely can tell you that I probably caught, I don't know, upwards of 10, probably 10 uh, 
10 to 12 beers and every time I caught one, I, I shotgunned it. So that was definitely a thing on, on our, on our party bus. <laughs> How drunk were you by the time you got off the float? I was definitely feeling it. There were a couple of airplane bottles thrown at me too. So, uh, I had the photos in there too. And those were terrible. Did you go to the white house? We sure did. Um, and I definitely, uh, took full advantage of that. That was, uh, you know, we went to uh, we did the parade, and the next day was the White House, and that was unbelievable. That was, uh, you know, I had to pinch myself because it's something one of those things where, you know, you're in the White House, and you know, I've seen so many TV shows, House of Cards, and Scandal, and just you finally you're in there, and, and you you're in the Oval, and you're like, you, you know, you only see this on TV shows or you know on the news, and that was cool. And uh, I got to shake hands with with President Trump and. Uh, got a picture with him. That was that was super cool. I'm not gonna lie. How small were his hands? Uh, I would say they're average. Uh, oh, but he's he's a big guy. Yeah, he's a big guy. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, he's he's got some broad shoulders on him, and he was cracking us up. I mean, he is he is hilarious. Uh, but he, he's uh he's probably he's probably six one, maybe six two. Uh, but super broad shoulders on him. And uh, it was it was an honor to, uh, to be able to meet him and, and, and be in the White House and just uh, pretty, pretty neat. For you, the experience this year, second to none, one of the best stories in baseball. Um, your first game back was against the Braves. Y'all lost. For me, that was good. But it was nice to see a former Ole Miss Rebel have the moment that you got. What was that general feeling like? Describe it in the moment as you're trying to process the journey from what you'd gone through to get into that moment, that clean inning? Yeah, it's, it's just been, um, I think I haven't even had time to even digest the kind of the season that we've, that I've had, um, you know, we've been on the go ever since we won the world series. Um, and it's just been pretty surreal, you know, just, uh, the finally to make it back, you know, for this year to be my comeback season. And ultimately we, win the world series. I mean, what a ride. And it just kind of, kind of shows you, um, you know, just you put the work in. Um, I mean, it's been an absolute grind, you know, these last four years and, uh, the, you know, to finally make it back, just that, that, that game in Atlanta, you know, obviously, um, you know, we live, my wife and I and my daughter, we live in Atlanta now. So just the, you know, for the the plan uh, that happened the way it did with uh, my comeback game that, that happened the way it did, you know, all my family got to be here. We got to celebrate at my house. Just it's one of those things that you know I'm running in from the mound. I'm trying to uh, I'm trying to focus, you know, on the on the task at hand because you know we're still in a playoff hunt at the time and it's a two one game. And I'm just trying to, you know, do my job. In the back of my mind, I'm like, dude, you're you're back. Like you're you're about to pitch in the big leagues for the first time in four years. And I walked the first guy I faced on four pitches. I don't even remember throwing a ball. I was so black out as far as the adrenaline and just so much stuff going on in my mind. I walked the first guy on four pitches. I just remember thinking to myself, hey, this ain't it. This is how you uh, how you draw it up. Uh, you know, because you, you envision this moment for so long, you know, you dream about it and, you know, you picture yourself, you know, striking out the side and, you know, uh, on three batters and your comeback. But so I walked the first guy, I'm like, golly, you know, we got to really uh, buckle down here. And then I get to face Tehran, the pitcher, which helped me out a lot. Uh, you know, just being able to, to just throw strikes in there and he's trying to bunt the ball. I get him out. And then once I got that first out, it's just kind of like, okay. You know, at the time, I, I really didn't even uh, – I wasn't thinking about who I was facing. I was just trying to throw strikes, honestly. Um, and then I got Albies out on a changeup. And I think after the inning was over, it just it just hit me. You know, it just – I started getting hugs and high fives. And, you know, just you just kind of um, – just waves, waves of emotion um, that I can't even describe to you. You know, thinking about the four years, all the the hell and, and torture and um, just every single day, uh, how just awful um, it was rehabbing. And I just, ne there were days where I never thought I'd make it back. And, you know, 
how much love and support I've had for my family. And it just all kind of combined and it just hit me all at once. And I just, I, I couldn't help it, but they just start, start crying. And it makes me, you know, uh, think about it right now. And just, it's just such a, a cool moment. It's a moment I'll never forget. Okay. I've got to ask this because I'm a huge Braves Mark. What was the sequence to get him out? Cause I feel like the book is out now for Ronnie. If you're going to get him out, you can't feed him fastballs unless it's high velocity inside. You have to go away, and you located away. You got him chasing, and now he's on the defensive, and he's swinging. Is that how you started it? Was Kurt Suzuki catching? Uh, Jan Gomes was. Okay. And so, like, the first pitch, we went we went up and in for a strike, established high and tight. And then my next pitch, uh, we knew since we had the count all in one, we knew he was going to swing. So I threw him a sinker, um, and it, you know, it had enough plate to start, and it ended up, you know, uh, low, and he ended up swinging and missing. So now at that point, um, I have both two. I kind of can do what I want. I can either a elevate, uh, elevate again, or b he hasn't even seen my slider yet. So it was one of those where, you know, I'm trying to not bury it, but I definitely want to go low and outside and it was one of those pitches where either way uh it caught the outside corner of the plate um but it wasn't going to be a pitch where he can get and you know can't do damage on it and fortunately it caught the corner of the plate and he, you know it was strike three so it's pretty good sequence you just made me look so smart i just nailed that scouting report on ronald acuna my favorite player in baseball boom it's that easy you know it's that simple <laughs> who would have thunk it okay so what all did you deal with i know you had um, the Tommy John, but there was other stuff too. What all was in that elbow that caused you to be on the shelf for four years? So as I was coming back from Tommy John surgery, which not saying that Tommy John surgery was uh, easy by any means, but um, my Tommy John surgery compared to my second surgery, the rehab was a cakewalk. Um, you know, uh, as I was one week away from going on my major league rehab assignment, uh, one pitch, I shattered my humerus bone in half. And that's the, uh, that, that's the big bone in your arm from your shoulder to your elbow. And it was one of those things where it was hands down the most excruciating, uh, thing that I pain wise that I've ever, that was my first ever broken bone. Um, and you know, Still to this day, we still don't have a how or why it happened. They're literally labeling, labeling it as uh, one of the biggest freak injuries, um, you know, in sports. And when we first uh, sent the x-ray off to Dr. Andrews, uh, he called and said, you know, is he okay? Did he get in a car accident? And so just what I did to my arm, especially throwing a baseball, it just doesn't happen. It's not supposed to happen. And unfortunately it happened to me. Um, so after five hours of surgery, we was only supposed to take two and a half after five hours of surgery, uh, it ended up, you know, they put two plates and 16 screws in my arm. And, uh, there was a lot, a lot of, uh, questions on if I'd ever throw a baseball again, let alone have a full range of motion or be able to be a fun functioning human being again. Uh, to be where I'm at today, there's there's no doubt. Um, you know, Dr. Andrews and his team, they performed a miracle on me. Um, and obviously, I've been super blessed. And uh, God has definitely um, been on my side. And I wouldn't be uh, here without him. There's no doubt. So it's just been a crazy ride. Uh, and I'm just forever, forever thankful for it. Was there ever a time in the process that you thought this isn't happening, it's over? 100%. I mean, um, there, I had a lot of dark days. There were, there were definitely times where, um, you know, my wife was pregnant at the time and it was, we were rehabbing just to, Hey, I want to be able to hold my daughter. Um, you know, throwing a baseball wasn't even on my mind. It wasn't, you know, everyone, uh, said that, you know, the, the odds of you throwing a ball again are, are slim to none. Um, and, you know, did Dr. Andrews, every time I talked to him, um, even when I just started playing catch for the first time, he told me I was a miracle. 
And as we continued on along this rehab process, I pitched my first game and, you know, we kept in contact and, um, he just, he literally calls me a miracle and I couldn't agree with him. Um, there were a lot of dark days and, and, uh, there were definitely a lot of doubts, no doubt about that. Okay. Looking at the Ole Miss career, the first year was a struggle. The second year dominance. What was the difference from year one to year two to get you to that place to where you become the high draft pick for the Washington Nationals? What clicked for you? Was it adding something um, to your pitching arsenal or was it confidence? I mean, there's so much that can go into a pitcher having success. What was the thing that took you over the top at Ole Miss? We'll get right back to former Ole Miss pitcher, now World Series champion Aaron Barrett here on Talk of Champions after this brief word on the Lamar Oxford's first and only traditional neighborhood, and Cheney's Pharmacy, two proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. I think we can all agree that Oxford has expanded. Our small little town, the home of the Ole Miss Rebels, is now jam-packed with new developments across the board from housing to restaurants, shops. And while Oxford is bustling like never before, it's made it hard on all of us to find the perfect home in the perfect spot. No one wants to spend three hours going to the grocery store. Fortunately, the Lamar, Oxford's first and only traditional neighborhood, is here for you. An innovative new development brought to you by John Welty Realty. It's just blocks from the historic Oxford Square, offering 48 acres that connects homes and restaurants with arts and businesses, setting a new standard for community living with keen detail to ease and classic elegance. One day you might be hungry. You take a few steps outside your front door, go to the grocery store. Maybe go get a drink at the brewery. Maybe spend some time shopping at one of the many offerings that the Lamar will have once development is done. Build out is happening right now, so get in while you can. The houses are modern, open concept, one bedroom, two bedroom, whatever you're looking for in a home, the Lamar has the perfect spot for you. But you want to learn more, so call John Welty today, 662-638-6710. That's 662-638-6710. Hello at the Lamar Oxford MS.com. Hello at the Lamar Oxford MS.com. The Lamar is hot. The only place to live in this jam-packed town that we call home, Oxford, Mississippi. The Lamar, Oxford's first and only traditional neighborhood, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. When it's football season, all you want to do is be around football. Even when you make your trip to the pharmacy, you want to see Ole Miss. The best pharmacy to go to, the only Ole Miss pharmacy really to go to, is Cheney's Pharmacy for all your pharmaceutical needs. Cheney's offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through, and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. It's a locally-owned pharmacy that has been in Oxford over 40 years. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there. So give Cheney's a call, 662-234-7221. Or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday and 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can find them online, Chaney'sPharmacy.com. And Chaney's Ole Miss is always in season. Chaney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. I honestly think it, it was confidence. I think, um, you know, I, I pitched in junior college, and, and, uh, and I was, you know, um, I was one of the, 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 one of the bigger time prospects coming out of JUCO and, you know, I was supposed to anchor the Ole Miss, uh, you know, rotation and, um, Pomeranz at the time, you couldn't start on Friday. So I got, I was a Friday guy for the first five outings, five, my first five starts was a Friday guy. So, um, and that put a lot of pressure on me and I felt like, you know, and I turned down a lot of money. I got drafted. I was supposed to go in the top five rounds out of JUCO, and I was asking for a lot of money because of my commitments all missed. Um, and I just, I felt that you know, um, you know, maybe it was part of part of hey, you need to pitch well in the SEC so you can get drafted high, or B, now you're a Friday guy, you need to you know show that you're the number one. And um, you know, I, I just struggled. Uh, I think uh, there were a lot of I got a lot of bad breaks early too. You know, I pitched in, I pitched in the, uh, I'll never forget this. We pitched in a TCU game, pitched against TCU. We ended up only playing one game that series because we had this ridiculous uh, cold front come in and we had like, I'm not kidding you, like 35 mile an hour winds. And I was giving up pop-ups to left that were landing in right center. I'm not kidding. It was a joke. I think the, the final score was like a football score. It was like 26 to 
14. I remember that game. I'll never forget that game. And so, like, a game like that, which is like an absolute joke, and they end up canceling both Saturday and Sunday, you know, that that game is, uh, you know, really screws my stats over. Um, but ultimately, I think it, it taught me a few things because, one, I had never faced adversity like that before. Um, and I ended up going in the bullpen roll and I, bullpen roll and I ended up, I had two choices. I can either a, uh, you know, sit at the end of the dugout and soak or, or B, I can find a way to, to get back in the games and, uh, pitch out of the bullpen and be a good teammate. And that team, we ended up winning the SEC championship and we had such good camaraderie and, uh, you know, we were four outs away from going to Omaha and, I, you know, we really thought that team was going to do it. Um, but I just learned a lot about myself and then, you know, going into my senior year, I didn't have, um, you know, I was like, Hey, this is my, this is my senior year. I'm going to go for it. And I just felt super loose and I'm just going to be me. So I did, I felt like, uh, that junior year, I, I really learned a lot. Coming out of Juco, did any team come close to your high number to make you think about not going to Ole Miss? Yeah, I, I turned down, I turned down $250,000, uh, Woo. from the Minnesota Times. I was betting on myself. I also value my education. Um, you know, I, in my opinion, I wasn't ready, and I don't think that I would have would be the person or the player I am today if I signed out of junior college. I, I learned that, like I said, I went through some adversity. I learned a lot about myself, um, and I also, you know, a lot a lot of positives happened for me. Um, I got to get my degree at at University of Mississippi which I'm super happy that I did it. Uh, being able to you know, finish my college degree is only a handful of guys that, in the big leagues that have it. And then two, um, I ultimately met my wife at Ole Miss. Um, you know, she played soccer there. And so it really worked out for me. You know, I didn't get the signing bonus that, uh, you know, um, you know, come as a junior, as a senior at Ole Miss, but at the same time, you know, Sign bonus and everything. The ultimate goal is to make it to the big leagues, and that's where the money really is, not in the signing bonus. So I, I knew that and understood that, and it really worked out for me. Favorite Ole Miss memory is what? Favorite Ole Miss memory? Oh, man. Um, I had a lot of good memories at Ole Miss. I would say probably winning the SEC championship. Um, you know, we, we, had the, we were going into Arkansas down – three games we had to win all three games and somebody else had to beat somebody and being able to dogpile uh, or celebrate at Arkansas that was really cool but we, I you know we still we stay in touch with a lot of those guys from from 2009-2010 teams and um, there's a lot there's too many good memories to, to be able to single out just one. What advice would you have for Gray Kessinger, Thomas Dillard, Will Etheridge, all of those guys now going through the minor leagues? What was your experience like, and what would you tell them as they start their journeys trying to get to the bigs? I think one of the one of the big things is you go from you know being a guy in college to okay now I'm in pro ball. These guys are just as good as I am, or if not better. Uh, just to believe in yourself and 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 trust trust in in the talents and the the person and the belief that got you there and um you know don't don't waver from that um in my experiences i definitely uh was trying to compare myself early on in my in my in my minor league uh uh seasons i was definitely trying to be more of what i was instead of uh, you know if a guy threw 97 you know well I don't throw 97, you know, be who I am, you know, definitely um, be yourself and, and maximize the potential and the talent that you have. Don't try to be uh, someone you're not, if that makes sense. You hear the horror stories about the minor leagues, right? About the buses and the travel and all this kind of stuff. Is it really that bad? It depends on where you are. Um, There's a lot, so many minor league stories. Um, you know, last year was super tough for me. Um, I was 30 years old and I was in short season and that's, that's the lowest of the low. I mean, rookie ball, there's rookie ball and then short season. And it was tough. It was a grind. I mean, you definitely, definitely when you, when you have a taste of big leagues and that big league lifestyle, and obviously the big league check to be able to humble, humble yourself. And, um, you know, the food, 
Um, the food is probably the biggest, uh, and the hotels, the hotels are tough. I mean, we stayed, we, we, we went to one place last year and we literally, we, we showed up and when we had to immediately leave, that's how bad the hotel was. I mean, guys have blood on their sheets. I mean, that's, that's how bad it was. Oh my God. Um, yeah, it, it, it can be bad. There are definitely some places that, that are tough. Um, but I ultimately, I, I really think that, you know, if everything's, you know, especially from the SEC, I mean, you're staying in nice hotels and then all of a sudden you go pro ball, you're like, pro ball is going to be great. And you're staying in, I mean, you're staying in some bad spots, um, you know, and, and fortunately enough that the nationals, we have host families. So, uh, you know, some of these guys, they got to pay out of pocket to get a, you know, an apartment and, and bunk up with six guys. I mean, my first experience in pro ball, I had to live with seven other dudes in a two bedroom place on air mattress. Some guys were got, some guys were sleeping on pole rafts. I mean, it, it was bad. Um, but I think, Ultimately, when you make it to the big leagues, it's those stories like, you know what, I grinded, you know, and it makes it that much more special when you finally make it. The Players Association, Major League Baseball, are working, I think, in conjunction or at least having conversations because God knows it's a little acrimonious right now between the two sides, but they're working on better conditions for the minor leagues to overhaul not only pay, but just the conditions of hotel and travel and food. It would seem like then, from you being in that experience as a former player in the minor leagues, that you'd be on board with them kind of overhauling how players are treated down there. One hundred percent. I definitely think um, guys should be treated better. I think uh, hotels and, and you know, ultimately, you got to look at it as a business standpoint. You know, these guys, you're trying to groom these guys get to the get to the major leagues that ultimately help you win. Um, win at the big leagues and win championships so as far as a recovery standpoint travel standpoint nutrition standpoint these these things are um are are super important you know my first year in the minor leagues i was eating leftover third inning hot dogs pizza and cheeseburgers post game and now very fortunate enough the nationals have a nutrition budget where we're able to actually have some good food post-game, pre-game. And, um, you know, these are definitely things to think about moving forward. Um, do I think that the players should be, you know, uh, have these, these big increases in pay? And, you know, I, I, I don't know. I don't know as far as what they're going to do with that. I do think that guys, I mean – they need to be paid more so they can, you know, some of these guys have families to support. Uh, there's no doubt in that. Um, but at the same time, I also feel like the grind of the minor leagues helped me ultimately be a better person and player because I worked my butt off to make it to the big leagues. And if you start paying guys a lot more money, then it kind of takes some of the drive, in my opinion. I, I, I could be wrong. But you, if you know what I mean, um, some of that drive, uh, to make it to the big leagues, you know, you, you can get comfortable as far as if everything's, you know, because part of the minor leagues, you know, it makes you, you want to get out of the minor leagues. That's how bad it is. You know, you want to really, you want to make it to the big leagues. I mean, that's the best of the best. That's why you, you work your butt off to get out of there. Um, so I do think that ultimately a lot of things need to get better, but um, we'll see what happens. Swayze Field, Duty Noble, it's different is college baseball in Mississippi. How comparable are those stadiums, those playing environments to double-A and triple-A? Being able to play in the SEC, uh, definitely uh, prep myself uh, as far as being able to pitch in front of large crowds. And um, it's definitely comparable to some double-A, triple-A stadiums and fans. Um, You know, like this year I got to pitch in a double-A all-star game. And that was a lot of fun. It definitely reminded me of, of a Friday night um, in Swayze or, or something like that, no doubt. You recently talked to the team. What was the message? The message was to, to, to be yourself. Um, you know, I know they have a lot of freshmen uh, this year. And I just kind of told them that it doesn't matter, you know, if you're a freshman or a sophomore or a senior, um, you know, be you, be a leader. Um, you know, I remember when I was there that, you know, you don't have to be a senior to be a leader. Um, it, it, it's ultimately your clubhouse. And we just kind of talked about, you know, the run 
uh, obviously my story and the run that the nationals went on, you know, ultimately it's, it's, it's your guys clubhouse and you control, uh, control that clubhouse and, and run the team the way you guys want it inside. And, um, I tell them that it's a big part of being able to win baseball games. And, um, I hope that nothing but success and I hope they have a lot of fun this year. He's former Ole Miss pitcher, World Series champion, Aaron Barrett. Nothing but love for you, man. Congrats on the success for the comeback story. Best of luck moving forward, except against the Braves. <laughs> I appreciate it, and uh, hotty toddy. That was Aaron Barrett, former Ole Miss pitcher, now a World Series champion for the Washington Nationals. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. Colin Brister is at Colin Brister. He's in the guest co-host chair. If you haven't already, subscribed, rate, review, Talk of Champions in iTunes, also available in SoundCloud. And when you do rate, review, Talk of Champions in iTunes, please make sure it's five stars. All right, for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com and a food of 247 Sports, Talk of Champions is powered by BNA Bank. Reason number 12 to bank at BNA. We are the bank for Northeast Mississippi. We have one home, Northeast Mississippi. Seeing this local Northeast Mississippi economy thrive and helping the people of our area with their borrowing needs is our only focus. From buying a home to starting your own business, we are the team of local lenders standing ready to make your dreams a reality. BNA Bank. We are the bank of Northeast Mississippi. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Back with me now is Colin Brister here on Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben. He's Colin Brister at Colin Brister in the guest co-host chair. Talked a lot about John Rice Plumley in the quarterback coach situation for Ole Miss football potentially next year. The whole staff's going to be the same probably, but that's why we do these podcasts. Let's just talk about things that need to be talked about. What needs to be talked about right now is the athletics director search. Here's what we know. Charlie Hussey removed himself as a candidate. He has a good situation at the SEC. He's number two in line to Greg Sankey. And when Greg Sankey steps away, he'll be the next SEC commissioner. John Hartwell has not been a part of the process. They've interviewed a number of candidates. I'm not going to get into every single one of them, but two males, a female, and one candidate in particular, not named Keith Carter, impressed in his interview. They're going to do a second round of interviews, potentially as early as next week, early next week. And the target date of having an AD hired by Thanksgiving, I think that's absolutely going to happen. Do you think this was delayed at all so that an AD wouldn't be able to make a decision on Matt Luke? I believe that this was done the way it was under the assumption and under the belief and under the conversations with these candidates that Matt Luke was back next year. If he had anything to do with the AD search, it was only that the decision had been made. He's coming back for the next year. Matt Luke was always going to be given next year unless catastrophe happened. Now, what if they go and lose the Egg Bowl 48 to 15? That's the only way it becomes interesting. And I still don't think it matters. Probably not. The real question now is whether this entire process is leading to one inevitable outcome, and that's Keith Carter's AD. And honest yeah. to God, I only see at the end of this road, Keith Carter becoming the AD. I like Keith. He's been incredibly um, giving to this podcast as far as his time and the forthcoming of information on this podcast and on the Ole Miss Spirit, OmeSpirit.com and affiliate of 247 Sports. And I think Keith has prepared 11 years for this job. My whole deal is, with this process, interview the very best candidates, and if you get to the very end of the process and Keith Carter is the very best candidate, okay, that's great. Make him the hire. I want to know and I want to have transparency in the process of who all they talked to confirmed on the record and how they went about it. And if Keith, as I believe will happen, is named the athletics director, what made him stand out? Because I believe Keith has all the tools in his toolbox to be successful. But I'm all about process because this would now be the third national process, national search process that led to hiring the guy down the hall. Down the hall for Matt Luke, down the hall for Glenn Boyce, and now the perception is something that Keith would have to fight if he is inevitably named the athletics director. And I think Keith is a good candidate. Quite frankly, I think he could do a number of great things for Ole Miss, but I want to know about process because I think processes at Ole Miss over the course of the last couple of years have been questionable at best. I mean, and you may disagree with me here. I think of the three that you mentioned, Matt Luke, Glenn Boyce, and, and Keith Carter, I think Keith would actually be more qualified than the other two to have that position. 
And I think because of the hirings of those two Ole Miss fans, if he is hired, are going to view it in the same light. That just kind of doesn't seem fair to me. It's different with Keith. Matt Luke was far less qualified than Keith. Glenn Boyce, we all agree that process was a sham. Keith is going to be a victim of perception that is not fair to him if he gets the job. I don't know if he's getting the job. I just think he's the odds-on favorite. He's going to have to fight a perception that is not necessarily fair to him because in his lane, athletics director, he's far more qualified than a Glenn Boyce or a Matt Luke who got their respective jobs. But it still doesn't change the fact that Ole Miss will have done three national searches and hired the guy down the hall if Keith ends up being the guy, which is not necessarily what's going to happen, but at least in my opinion, that is the odds-on favorite thing of happening. You just kind of hope that they don't not hire Keith, and excuse the double negative there, but that they don't not hire Keith because he's an Ole Miss guy. Like I, I've always said that it's it's absurd to me that people get jobs because they're you know old, they have Ole Miss ties. It's also absurd to me that somebody would not get one because they do have Ole Miss ties. Like just hire the best people. The way Ole Miss does things has become somewhat infuriating. We'll get right back to Colin Brister in this edition of Talk of Champions right after this brief word on Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. Don't look now, but the holiday season is almost upon us. That special time of year to spend with family and friends, and that includes spoiling your loved ones. And what better way to spoil them than with a new car? Now, the car buying process, no one loves it. That's why the only place to go, the only place I've ever gone, is Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. And there are numerous reasons why drivers choose Alan Samuels of Oxford. They proudly serve Oxford, Batesville, New Albany, Sinatobia, Memphis, and their teams of sales advisors, service technicians, and financing experts are trained with one focus in mind, addressing each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. And that means you can expect to learn all of the features of the specific new Ram 1500, 2500, Jeep Wrangler Unlimited, Dodge Charger, or Chrysler Pacifica you're interested in in the market for a used car. Their team will be happy to fill you in on each of the reliable options in their inventory. And when the time comes for you to drive home your next car, their auto finance team is standing by with solutions to fit your individual needs. Alan Samuels of Oxford truly has every one of your automotive needs covered. The only question left now is how they can best serve you. To take advantage of any one or more of the services Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford provides, be sure to contact them today at 662-638-0044. That's 662-638-0044. You can stop by and see them in person at 2201 East University Avenue. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford for your next perfect car, truck, or Jeep. Just go through the best possible process, hire the best possible candidate, and let that be that. And if Keith is the best possible guy, cool. I don't have any faith in Glenn Boyce right now because I don't know where he is. Have you seen him? Has anybody seen him? Where's Glenn Boyce? We're selling t-shirts. Why has he not been publicly introduced to the football game? Can't anymore because the LSU game was the last home game. Why has he not been publicly introduced to the basketball game? I've heard he's been there. It's like, where's Waldo? Yes, I can confirm that. Come on this podcast, Glenn, please. Make yourself available to the people. Yeah. Make yourself available to the online community. We would like to talk to you, too. We have questions. Yeah. Being serious, like, oh, some of this has been kind of tongue-in-cheek, but the, the transparency and the lack of availability that he's kind of had, and, I mean, he's not talked to the media since, I guess, he was hired uh, that day, and it's, it's just been kind of a, a weak look um, so far in that regard. Oh, the T-shirts are completely tongue-in-cheek. Yeah, absolutely. Anyone that's taking this personally, guys, it's just jokes. I'm having some fun with it. A lot of boomers are mad out there, but trust me, I I bet Glenn Boyce is a great dude. I don't know if he's going to be a great chancellor. I just want (laughs) to know where he is. The chancellor is supposed to be the public face of your university and the number one fundraiser. If he's been doing those things, which some people have told me he has been doing those things, that's great. Come tell me about it. I can't remember who it was, but the uh, like the guy that just handcuffed himself to a sign outside the NFL office so he could talk to Roger Goodell. You should do that to the Lyceum with Glenn Boyce. Or be like the Cincinnati Bengals fan who's living on top of his restaurant's roof until the Bengals <laughs> win a game. Until I physically see Glenn Boyce, I should live in a tent in the Grove. Oh, God. We could, we could sell that. Yeah. 
as long as you can charge like your computer, you can watch sports and whatever you needed to on your computer. Yeah. The number one Ole Miss sports story this week is what? Uh, it's Ole Miss in Memphis Saturday. Mike Smith tried to make a case. But- oh, oh, oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> Mike Smith is on administrative leave due to what was told to the Ole Miss spirit, a culture audit. The future of Mike Smith will be determined after the conclusion of this culture audit. Do not ask me what the hell that means. Learn something new every day. That is a first for me. I've been covering Ole Miss sports for a long time. 15 years now. I have no clue what a culture audit is. I think I have an idea. It was explained to me, and it kind of made sense, but not really. So that that's interesting. That That's a big topic. Where do you stand on the Egg Bowl being on Thanksgiving? For me, as if I'm going to the game, I don't mind it. But like from an overall fan perspective, uh, get get it off Thanksgiving. I, I think it I think it would do a lot, frankly, for the rivalry or or to to tone it down a little bit if you played it on Saturday at two thirty p.m. My opinion is that the Egg Bowl on Thanksgiving is the absolute worst, and I've had a number of people on Twitter make some suggestions as to when to play the Egg Bowl, and I agree. Play it earlier in the year. Make it like the third game of the year. Make it any other Ooh. game. If you really want to tamper down the rivalry aspect of the Egg Bowl, play it earlier in the year. And that might actually make the Egg Bowl worth something to both of these teams. Because what has happened after Mississippi State had its snitch moment with the NCAA, they made the Egg Bowl for both of these programs the only thing that matters in the season. And that is so sad. There was a time in 2014 when the Egg Bowl determined which access bowl both of these teams would be going to, potentially. And now, after all this NCAA nonsense, completely predicated on a vindictive rivalry, one-sided in Mississippi State, this is the only game that matters. And you like it that nationally, it's the only game being played on Thanksgiving. You think that's a great platform. I don't. Because both of these programs shouldn't be putting all their eggs in the, and forgive the pun, all these eggs in the egg bowl basket. Ole Miss and Mississippi State should be aspiring for more than just winning the egg bowl. So put it earlier in the year, make it just one of any other SEC West game, let it mean something as far as going to a bowl and all that kind of stuff. The last game of the year for Ole Miss should be Murray State. LSU. LSU should always be played on Halloween. I don't care if Halloween's on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Everyone should know Halloween night, Ole Miss and LSU are playing. Other than that, get the Egg Bowl the hell off of Thanksgiving. I just thought about something. So we we do these Thursday night college football games. Has Ole Miss ever played one of those? I feel like they haven't. Ole Miss, South Carolina. No, I'm talking about in Oxford. My point is, I don't think you can host a game on Thursday night in Oxford with the tailgating scene being what it is. No one would go to class on Friday. Right. Yeah. I don't think you can do that. Probably not. (laughs) An AD will be in place by Thanksgiving, and unfortunately, that's when the Egg Bowl will be played. Go hire a quarterback's coach, Matt Luke. You're going to be the head coach next year. Maybe that's the move to make. I don't know. Ole Miss football is in a very weird place, but Ole Miss basketball, I agree with you, against Memphis, the number one Ole Miss story of the week. Ole Miss and Memphis this weekend, a great early test for Ole Miss basketball, who have impressed. Ole Miss basketball has impressed in his first three games, has not played particularly well in any of the three games, and has completely out-talented, competent teams. Norfolk State is probably going to win his conference, and it was close for a little while, but Ole Miss's talent overwhelmed that team. I think you'll see that a lot. Now, they're going to drop some early games, I figure. They got Butler coming up, Memphis this weekend. They're going to drop some games, but they're going to be able to sometimes overwhelm their opponents with talent, and that's a pretty incredible thing for Ole Miss basketball. Yeah, they can not play well and still come out 15 to 16-point winners. I've seen it two of the last three games, so that's where Kermit Davis has this program. This has been Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Colin Brister at Colin Brister. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. Make sure it's a five-star review. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, and affiliate of 247 Sports. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. We'll do it again. Absolutely. Say goodbye 
to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.